This is a Brick and Mortar Reborn podcast. This podcast is designed to help you give a pulse on the fast-changing world of brick and mortar. As the world reopens and operators race to meet the rising expectations and demands of experience-driven post-COVID consumers, it's more important than ever to stay ahead of the curve and understand the trends and technologies that will shape the future. In each episode, I'll interview successful operators, subject matter experts, and leading thought leaders who will share their insights to help you prepare yourself and your organization for what lies ahead. I'm your host, Bobby Mahomet, CEO of Radiant. Now let's get into today's show. everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest with us, Lance Growlick. Hopefully I said that right, Lance. Perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. Founder and CEO of Ion Franchising. Lance, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bobby. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. I know how, how busy things can get, so again, appreciate your time here. I know we have a fully packed uh, session of, of questions we want to ask you and get your insights around. So again, thank you for uh, joining us here. Absolutely. Before we get started, Lance, why don't you give us a quick brief of you, just in general, a career trajectory, what you've done uh, in life, and uh, then we'll go for a, Then we'll learn a little bit about Ion Franchising. Absolutely. Thank you. I grew up in New York, and I thought I was going to have a Wall Street career with dad. His, his firm was the largest over-the-counter trading house on Wall Street he was a partner in. But, you know, I had two grandfathers growing up that were both entrepreneurial. One of them was a real estate attorney and played real-life Monopoly buying buildings, and the other grandfather owned a business. So I'd like to say... And it was a supermarket chain throughout Brooklyn and Queens, very successful. And I'd like to say I grew up with every facet of the, call it the trifecta in the investment world, real estate, Wall Street, and and owning a business. And I like the business world better than the other things, let's say Wall Street and real estate. So I followed an uncle to Arizona where we were the largest franchisee at TGI Fridays. And I like to say I had a little part in helping him build a $225 million a year Friday's franchise. So I got kind of bit by the franchise bug, if you will, in the late 80s. And here I am, 55 years old, living in Las Vegas. I've been a franchisee of multiple brands like Wingstop and Krispy Kreme Donuts in multiple states. I've created my own concepts as well. But the two major things I do, Bobby, is I help people find their perfect franchise. Most people don't know much about the franchise world. A lot of misconceptions. You don't have to be a millionaire to own a franchise. It's There are other things besides McDonald's. And uh, the other part is I work with a lot of independent businesses that are not sure how to grow and scale. And I show them through our franchise attorneys and our team how we can set up a franchise system for them and help them grow and scale across the country. So that's it in a nutshell. That That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, as, as you're helping the different kind of franchisees and, uh, and coming board, is, do, you, do you look at this as more of, do you try to assess, are they ready for a franchise set business? Or is it when people come to you, you you're... You're in a place where you're thinking, okay, they're ready to do this. I'm going to go and kind of full force and help them analyze and figure out what franchise to, to, to buy. Yeah, well, oh, you, on the on the side of people looking for a franchise, uh, I have tons of people that hear me on podcasts that contact me about a, about a franchise, and some people, to your point, are not ready for whatever reason. But as you, as we all know, and everybody listening knows, timing is never perfect. So I, I have to explain the the pitfalls and the downfalls. But clearly, like in any business, you have to have money. And I just got a young lady, a franchise with $40,000 franchise with nothing down. I didn't know if she was ready. I knew mentally she was ready, but she didn't have the finances, didn't have the assets to get an SBA loan 
but we found appropriate financing for her. So I'm assessing with people every day, is the timing right for them? As you can imagine, in this world, it seems like anything we do, it's about 80% mindset these days. Are you really in the right place mentally? Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. What is, uh, before we kind of get started and ask you a bunch of questions here, what, what are some of the uh, you know, kind of most fun franchise groups that you've been uh, a part of or franchise brands, if you will, that you've been a part of over the years? Well, I mean, I, I thought Wingstop was a lot of fun. Chicken wing only concept that I'm sure everybody knows by now that's listening, but I joined them when they were fairly young, became president of the Franchise Advisory Council. And it's, it's, I'm a builder. There are a lot of people out there that are fine with maintaining once they've built something. I'm, I'm a builder. I like to be kept busy. And at the end of the day, the, the franchise world like Wingstop, when it was young enough, there were a lot of changes we had to make. Same thing with Krispy Kreme. We were the second franchisee for Krispy Kreme. Initially, they created these crazy territories and developed systems where basically people were building too many Krispy Kreme donut shops. So Southern California didn't need 25 Krispy Kreme shop. Like, yeah. And that's, that, that's what... What everybody listening is listening regarding real estate and what have you, it's like Disney, Disneyland, Disney World. How many do you need in the United States? Well, there's two. You don't need yep. 25. Yep. Yep. Agreed. But I had a lot of fun. I had a Pink Box Donuts was a brand that I created in Las Vegas. And it was really a lot of fun giving birth to that brand from nothing. At the time, the only major gourmet donut shop was Voodoo Donuts in Portland. And, and we were one of the first gourmet donut shops that became a chain. And I sold my interest in that several years ago, but happy to say I created that whole concept. That is awesome. That is awesome. Lance, when, if you're listening and you're, and you're thinking, okay, my own business, do I want to go buy a franchise? When do you know if you should look into a franchise versus starting your own business and vice versa? Well, the, the number one thing is, do you have an original idea that needs to be born? And most people don't. It's not to say people aren't creative, but maybe they're in a position where they're working another full-time gig and came up with an idea it's a lot of energy to put the team together to essentially give birth to a brand. So if you have an original idea, like Mark Zuckerberg had the idea for Facebook, and, and you notice a lot of these founders are in, were in college, Steve Jobs and Wozniak, because if you fail, you have nothing, absolutely nothing to lose. You're back in the exact same spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so really, people are buying franchises today to save time, to save money, to save energy with a proven brand and not have the risk. Makes sense. As you've been kind of working with different different groups, do you feel like certain concepts are concepts that only work in a part of the region of the United States or, or beyond? You know, uh, or- It's a great Sorry. question, Bobby. In the franchise world, we call that proof of concept. There are plenty of regional players that have done well. And let's take an example, uh, restaurants. If you have a specific barbecue concept, as, as the, the listeners are now getting hungry for lunch. With, with barbecue, New York City versus Southern California versus Kansas City or parts of Texas, barbecue is very different to different people, right? So that's when you have to be careful. So the, the short answer is proof of concept becomes very important in franchising, whether you're doing home care, whether you're a, a salon, competitive analysis in different markets, but it's very, very important to know that if a brand is not established anywhere near you or near your region, you have to be cautious. And how do you how do you do that proof of concept? Because one of the questions that we get from a lot of our listeners is, I have a great eight to ten locations in this part of the region. How do I know 
How can I test this in other parts of the United States to make sure it's going to work? Well, the easy answer today with technology is all about demographics. Who is your customer currently? Anybody in real estate knows that there's a, a lot of benchmarking that goes on and there's plenty of software out there. So let's say you're operating in, let's just say, Southern California today. Let's say you're in Los Angeles. Who are your customers? How old are they? Male, female? Uh, are they coming to you? Let's say it's a salon. Are they coming to you lunchtime, dinner time, after lunch, uh, after work, before work, whatever? The, the point is figuring out who your customers are and mapping where what other cities in America have those customers exactly. Now, LA might be a difficult example. I mean, Vegas, where I live, is more of a melting pot of the of the country. But either way, the example is is valid. Benchmark who your current customers are and find those customers throughout the country. Now, if you're the f- future franchisee, when I did Wingstop in Las Vegas, I knew it would be successful because it's the melting pot of the United States. However, when I opened my first location, there was nothing established. Really, there was one, but it was in a bad area. It wasn't even a good wing stop. And and my location was very slow. But by the time I opened store four, I was now doing 35000 a week at, at a store, which was incredible for a little tiny wing stop. So the short answer is, let's hope that the franchisor is opening stores in your area and you are not the pioneer. But if you are the pioneer, like I was for Wingstop, essentially, you just have to be prepared for what that really means on the marketing front to bring people in. But you need to understand the demographics and know there's a market for whatever it is you're selling. Makes sense. And with data nowadays, I think it's it's easy to understand that at a very high level, at least. It, it, it really is. It really is. Awesome, Lance. So what, you, you talked to a lot of great brands. What are some of the most popular franchise categories today? Well, the most popular for years has always been food and beverage. It's the sexy business, of course, Bobby. Everybody wants to get into it because they think it's so easy, right? Right. So on the brick and mortar side, apropos for your show, food and beverage and the personal care space, as we call it in the franchise world, massage and hair and nails and waxing, and now the sort of new barber category. That's a big thing. Let's let let the let's specialize in taking care of the men, the beard trims and what have you. But I'll tell you, the medical related categories have been phenomenal as well. Also brick and mortar. We have a brand called QC Kinetics selling out the whole country. And it's a regeneration center of stem cells and things like that. It was started by several orthopedic surgeons in the Carolinas years ago and selling out like crazy. So that's hot. Boutique fitness brands, although the pandemic stymied their growth, obviously, due to the fact closures and what have you. But fitness brands are hot. Home home care brands, like non-medical home care, phenomenally successful. I have about 30 of those brands and I'll tell you, uh, pet franchises have never been hotter. Grooming really? and grooming and boarding and dog training. It's unbelievable. This category has exploded. I swear, Bobby, I think I had five pet-related franchises several years ago, and now I probably have 25. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's but, crazy. but I have about 30 major categories. Automotive, still essential and essential business. What franchising... For what franchising does, Bobby, is put the technology piece together that that a typical mom and pop can't necessarily afford. You know, make it easy for the team for training, for helping the customer, for follow up customer service, and as there's a lot of elements to owning a business. Absolutely, absolutely. 
So now that we know the most popular, what are the most difficult ones and categories? <laughs> I said it already. Food and beverage. <laughs> <It's> still- <laughs> yeah. No, the, the most the most difficult, and I tell people all the time, food and beverage is absolutely the most difficult. Why? There's more ways to lose money than make money. And you're work you're working with a lot of unskilled employees. When you're in the salon business, I have a friend that owns 20 Great Clips hair salons. And at least in the hair salon business, the stylists, the beauticians, the people that cut hair, they have to get a license. It's a serious business. There's a lot of schooling for it. For those of the listeners that don't know, where if you want to be a fry cook, anybody can decide to become a fry cook. And after working hard for a couple of days and burning yourself a couple of times, you realize this sucks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It can suck. I enjoy the heck out of the food business, but it's not, it's definitely not for everybody. So I would say that is definitely the most pop, most uh, difficult industry and the biggest investment, just most difficult to manage. Are there industries, Lance, that are difficult to maybe get into, but are very lucrative? Well, when you say difficult to get into, in the franchise space, home care is a very lucrative business, but you you have to really want to work with seniors. And essentially, you're running a staffing company. You're running a medical staffing. Well, it's really non-medical is the biggest segment of home care franchising, companion care. But you run a, a caretaker staffing company is what it feels like. So if if you are not the right individual for that business, and Bobby, I know one of the questions you're going to ask is, you know, when people make mistakes in this business, one of the biggest mistakes is when people are selecting franchises because they hear it's a hot category and know they should do it. However, they are not the right individual to run that particular business. And being a leader is being able to identify that, yeah, this is a great business, but I need to hire somebody else to run it. Absolutely. You got to still love, love it. I love what you're doing at a very high level. So absolutely. Yeah, and most people, even if they didn't have a passion for the pet business, can develop a passion for profitability. <laughs> so yeah. 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 Makes sense. Makes sense. What are what are you know, as 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 some listeners are listening and you, let's say they've gone from one to three to five location, one of the questions that we get a lot is what's the right time for me to start franchising? What, what's your answer there, Lance? Yeah, the answer to when is I'm working with a gentleman now in California, amazing business. He's doing so well, but he 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 can't get out of his own way. He's too busy. There's a focus. It's a four-month setup time when you set up a franchise system with us. And we take you through the three components of putting together your franchise disclosure documents, your franchise agreement, and and your operations manual, make sure, making sure it's set up appropriately. But obviously, you're the technician, everything about your business, the secret sauce, all the proprietary stuff, which we pour into the operations manual. But, you know, so timing is really up to the business owner. What I do is sort of filter through what I'm hearing, and I make the determination that I think they're ready or not. And then we move on to other members of the team to have a couple of couple of group calls to answer questions. And it, some people, many people I talk to are just not ready no matter what. Other people are ready, but choose not to franchise because they have too much going on in their life. It only takes about three hours a week of homework and phone calls with us to be able to get this thing set up in about four months. So the short answer is, are people asking you, are you a franchise? Can you franchise? I have a guy I have a guy that's in the dumpster business. Waste management is a hot segment these days. And he gets requests all the time from people. 
It's like, wait, what, what are you going to set up a franchise system? Man, this would be incredible. I would love to be part of it. When people start asking you, that's one indication for sure. But look, are you profitable? Can you support people? Would other people like the profit margins that you have after you pull out a royalty from them? Every franchise has some sort of royalty. So if if you can kind of check off those and answer those questions effectively, you could be ready to franchise. Do you have a trademark? Is it trademarkable? There are quite a few franchises they go to set up and check all the boxes. Turns out they can't use their name. They have to change their name. That happens a lot. Not a big deal, but it's just part of the process. And you, and you said one thing that I want to kind of double click on in the sense of the franchise, the franchise, you have to pay a franchise fee to the franchise or, and so is there like a, is there high level guidance on what profitability needs to look like before you can actually go down the path of franchising? Yeah. You know, it used to be years ago that when you look at the S and P 500, a lot of people would use the S and P 500 as, as a barometer of profitability or for investment purposes, obviously. And I think since 1957, I just looked it up recently, the S&P 500 is like, call it 10.5% return, but 10% for easy math. So if, if a franchise brand can return 20%, well, 20% plus, and then you pull a royalty out, I'd say that's a fair return. There are other advantages. Consult your, uh, this is my disclaimer, consult your tax specialist. But I can tell you that when you own a franchise, especially one with assets, you have depreciation expense, you have all kinds of write-offs, you're building income with the business, but then there's an exit strategy as a franchisee where you can sell your business. When I sold my wing stops, it was 4.2 times cash flow, I think, to be exact. Franchisees can sell their franchises typically for three to five times cash flow. So it's got to fit with your strategy overall as a franchisee or as a potential franchisor. Do you have something that people are willing to buy? It's like, Bobby, if you create a couple of great sandwiches in your dining room, are, are they better than the competition? We, we go through a competitive analysis. There's a lot of factors to look at to decide whether you're ready. And on the profitability side, it's kind of a gut feel. The higher the profitability, obviously, the more desirable a business is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Now, let's say, for example, a brand is already down that path of, okay, I want a franchise. Let me go and get things kind of up and running. They, they contact new lands to get things going. What are some of the you know common problems that up-and-coming you know, franchisees encounter these days? Well, up-and-coming franchisees, if we're talking about franchisees, people that don't go through me, unfortunately, they might pick the wrong franchise, as I was mentioning earlier. They just pick the wrong franchise. And also, they don't put in the on my podcast that I host called Ion Franchising. I had one of a, a franchisor on. I frequently have franchisors, of course. And I said, Why are people not successful in your franchise? Why are people not successful that you selected to be franchisees? And he said, They don't work. They decide they're not get out of bed as much as, as as early. And it's it's the nature of the beast. It sounds strange, but most of it starts with they pick the wrong franchise and they're not really interested in doing it anymore. Yeah. Showing up. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's it's like the gym. Don't don't a lot of people join gyms in January and then they yeah. go for a little bit and why do they stop going? It's too much work. Too much work. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you kind of touched on this a little bit. Some of the common mistakes that you see, you know, uh, people making as they're picking again different franchise uh franchise or franchise groups that they want to, you know, basically acquire purchase and be able to put up new locations. 
What are what are some more things that you, you've sure. seen as mistakes? Well, besides, so as a franchisee, hiring the wrong t- team, hiring the wrong manager, and a lot of times they don't realize fast enough. And you have, how many times have we gone into a fast food place? So just pick on fast food. And you think to yourself, who the heck is running this place? It's dirty. It's taking forever to get my food. And now it's cold. How is that even possible? I know I only paid two bucks for this thing, three bucks, four bucks, whatever. And not really taking an active role is another piece in it, of it, which kind of goes hand in hand with what I just said. There are franchises that are that you can be an absentee or semi-absentee owner. They have a system set up for that. And there are some brands where you cannot. You have to take an active role like Fast Signs, great franchise brand. You have to be active in that business full time. You can't have another job. So those are just some other examples. Makes sense, Lance. Makes sense. This was a wealth of information, Lance. Before you know, we let you go, what are some advice that you have for business owners that are looking to create a successful franchise network? Well, I could tell you that some of my favorite advice is, and I've already said it, but you know, I'll help people select the right brand for them and their family. And I focus on the what, not about the why. I focus about the what. What role will you have? What investment level? What's your lifestyle? What's the goal for your future lifestyle? Exit strategy, your past experiences, resume, what are you passionate about? So I go through the what. The second factor and the second piece of advice, Bobby, is when you focus if you haven't read the E-Myth book, Michael Gerber, incredible book, and it, it breaks it down. There are typically, if you're an entrepreneur that's doing a startup, you're a technician of some sort. Think of Steve Jobs and, and Waz. It was all about the tech. They didn't know anything about business. All they knew was the tech. But you need an entrepreneur. You need somebody to have that vision. So Michael Gerber talks about you need the manager, you need the technician, and you need the entrepreneur to ha- have that vision. So you really have to focus on those three aspects. And if you're not all three, you need to find the others. And then the last, and of course, be willing to learn. You don't need to be a master in all those things, but be willing to learn. And then the last piece, we've heard it all before, trust the process. So if you're joining a franchise group, you got to trust the process. You have a, a new family, not only the training team of the franchisor that you joined, but you have the best practices of successful franchisees that have been there before you. Love it. Love it, Lance. Well, thank you. Before we let you know, anything anything else you want to let our listeners know that I forgot to ask? Well, the only thing I would say is my website is ionfranchising.com, ionfranchising.com, and I have a free assessment on my website. So if you or anybody might be interested in a business, that free assessment helps you and I understand based on your mindset, skill set, past experiences, what brands and or categories might be best for you. And uh, so feel free to, to do that. It's free, obviously. It'll take you about 10, 15 minutes. And I'm happy to talk to anybody. I give free advice. And that's the other thing that most people are shocked by. I get paid by the brands. So I never ask anybody for any kind of money. So just want to restate that. I am free, cheap and easy. <laughs> that's awesome, Liz. Thank you again for spending some time with us today. That was that was great. Wealth of information. Really My appreciate pleasure, it. Bobby. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reborn Podcast, brought to you by Renia. For access to the latest episodes, please visit our website at brickandmortarreborn.com. 